uh, I want you to read the title of this message for yourself, okay? For yourself. You see the title? My Year of Restored Vision. Say it. My Year of Restored Vision. Have you ever sat at a uh, Christmas tree and passed out presents? Anybody done that recently? And in that, you were just wondering when, you, when your gift was going to show up, you know? I don't know if you were ever that person where there's a big crowd of people, you know, all the families there, and there's some gifts under the tree, and it's like, everybody else has one. When is my present going to show up? Uh, this is your gift. Are you ready? This is my, say it, my year for restored vision. My year of restored vision. You, maybe you don't know what that is yet, but I'd like you to say it one more time, but this time with a little bit of that, you know, where's my military been to boot camp sound? Okay, one, two, three. My year of restored vision. And Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. In fact, let's read that scripture, Isaiah 43, and verse 19, let's read that whole scripture together. Come on, read it out loud. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That's powerful, all right? Now this works. I, I want you to know when you're reading such things as the prophet Isaiah, uh, we often read heavy context. But I, I want to give you the, the, the greatest part of prophetic context, the character of God. Did you hear me? How God thinks, what God feels, how, how God feels towards us. So God is saying, this is what God is saying to his people. Are there any people of God in the house? Any people of God? So he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now I want to read one more uh, verse to you. It's, it's out of the epistle to the Ephesians from Paul writing to the, ch uh, the church at Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. You have this in your notes. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I'll read the rest of that. Do you hear, you hear what he's writing? He says, I just keep praying that you would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I just keep praying. So I'm working with this teaching and it's been in my heart for some time. I knew we're coming up on a new decade, 2020. This is, come on, this is not too difficult. Sometimes you're trying to find a, a, something you can turn, you know, what Lord do you want to say, but it's 2020. Somebody say 2020. So, and, and so you say focus, you think, uh, what is the word? Is it the year of focus? Is it the year of better focus? There's more to it. In fact, when I say the year of restored vision, uh, that word revelation is pretty powerful. Revelation. Now, sometimes people are afraid of the term, term revelation because of its, you know, because of the word that it comes from, where we get the word apocalypse, you know. Basically, unveiling. Say that, unveiling, unveiling. Where you have seen things through a veil for so long and not clearly seen what God is saying and what God is doing and what God wants to do. And so Paul writes to this church, I just, I keep asking over and over. This is my constant prayer. You know, that prayer that you're always praying and you always pray for the Lord to help, to prosper, to heal, right? 
And then you get here, and, but what about Revelation? Uh, wouldn't it be better if you had some revelation, right? I, God, I want to know what you want me to know. I want to see clearly at last. I, it, it's just everything's been in a fog for so long. Now watch the rest of this. He says, I want, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom, wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So what's being unveiled? God's being unveiled. Say, I need, you think you just need revelation about, you know, whether or not you should pay the water bill or the mortgage. Now they hit me. He's saying, I want you, I keep praying that the Father would be unveiled, that you would begin to know who Father is. That you would know him. Anybody know Jesus? Do, do you know Jesus? Or do you just know the Jesus, you know, your Jesus? I don't know your Jesus. I know my Jesus. I know my Jesus don't care about nothing. He's just glad. I, you know, we sometimes write our own biography of Jesus. And it's only what we think we know about Jesus. Hear, hear me. Hear me. God wants us to know him. In fact, God reveals himself through his prophetic word, but he also reveals himself through Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? So there's an unveiling. Now, watch the rest of this. I pray also, and you need to underline this. I'll be in this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Pause there. Just look at that for a moment. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. There are those who are physically blind that see spiritual things better than you do. Right? So what he's saying is, I want your, your heart eyes to be opened. The worst kind of blindness is spiritual blindness. I pray that they would be enlightened. Say that word, enlightened. You, I mean, that word defines itself, doesn't it? To bring light in, to be, to, to be enlightened. And he says, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, when, when he is unveiled, hope shows up. When he is unveiled, you begin to understand the riches of his glorious inheritance. Everything Father has for me, I want to receive that. And his incomparably great power for us who believe there's power involved in this. So when you have vision, you also have power. Read the rest of this. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ. The power, he wants you to know the power that is like the working of his mighty strength. Example, when he raised Christ, which he exerted in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I want you to have a vision, a revelation of how Father wants to raise you up. 
and seat us in heavenly places. I want you to have that kind of vision. Say, God wants to raise me up. Say, God wants to raise me up. Say it. God wants to raise me up. And he goes on and he says, and God placed him uh, placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. That's us. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Everything. This is my year. Somebody say, my year of restored vision. So uh, I, I want you to receive this. I, I want you to embrace this. Because you need surgery. Anybody ever heard that before? The doctor walks and says, you need surgery. He said, could you go get another doctor and let's talk again? Because surgery hurts. Anybody, that's sort of what we believe. Anybody ever had surgery before? And they kind of, they said, okay, now we're just going to put you to sleep. And then you're going to wake up and we're going to have all this taken care of. You wake up and you say, give me some meds. Because <laughs> it hurts. So... But it, it can make you better. Am I right? How many have had surgery and you got better? Anybody had surgery and you got better? So, uh, and years ago, they came up with this concept of, 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 of eye surgery. Uh, not because you uh, had an eye problem so much as your eye was misshaped. You know, you need better vision. Anybody ever had eye surgery, laser surgery? Come on, where are you? Confess, confess. There they are, all around the room. Has anybody ever needed glasses after that? Yeah, some of you have. All right. So you still, I mean, it doesn't, it's not like miracle surgery that you don't age, okay? Uh, I, I've, I've heard before that 40 is the magic number. Am I right? You know, like 40 and then <laughs> readers. Uh, so uh, I guess you can have more surgery or you can do what I do, glasses, contacts, things like that so that I can see. But when it came out, you know, people said, hey, pastor, you're going to go have that eye surgery? And, and uh, honestly, there was a truck that pulled over. Uh, over by uh, Target, you know, where uh, it actually pulled over there in the parking lot, and it was an eye surgery truck. Anybody seen one of those? It was a, I'm telling you, somebody was driving an 18 wheeler, pulled that bad boy in there, and evidently you plug that thing in, and you can go in and get eye surgery. And I looked at that one time, and my eyes were clear. I'm not climbing in the back of a. 18-wheeler. I mean, those guys can't see, I know, because they try to run me off the road all the time on the highway. So <laughs> I'm busting on truck drivers. I love y'all, but uh, you can be dangerous sometimes. Anyway, uh, but I, you know, I you know, consider that, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going there. What am I going to? I remember when I realized I needed help with my vision. I was in school. I was in uh, 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 fifth grade, and I'm just trying to see the blackboard, at, and I just, I'm just doing it like this. Anybody remember that? Just trying to see, and uh, somebody noticed that I was struggling, and, and uh, yeah, took me to the doctor and gave me some glasses. It was amazing. I remember when I got my first pair of glasses. Anybody remember this? It's like, this is so cool, and you just keep moving them back and forth, and it was amazing, and I got so used to them. 
Uh, was there anybody, you know, had like the broken glasses constantly? I was that kid, all right? I mean, I had white adhesive tape on the temple and right down the middle. It was so great. I mean, you put glasses on me. I would bust those babies and tape them together because I really wanted to see because it's much more important for me. It's more important how I see than what I look like. My vision. And some people say, you know, when I say you need, eye, you need help with your eyes, you need eye surgery, you know. And, and I'm not saying you don't need an optometrist, you need an optometrist. You need Jesus to come and touch your vision. You need surgery from heaven so that your vision is restored. Let me explain it to you. Look at this scripture again in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Uh, This is also Christmas. You know this is uh, the 12th day of Christmas. Uh, So you should go home. Some of you know that I love giving presents. So especially our granddaughter. I love giving, you know, Diane, I just love it. I mean, and and it's so cool because she's two. She don't know how much stuff costs, Okay. So you can give her like a bag of candy. It's like, what? So, but she likes presents. So we drove home from Ohio. Uh, we got in the house, turned the Christmas tree lights on. It was just Diane and I and Avelyn. Avelyn came home with us. And, uh, and she looked at our Christmas tree. And she said, oh, no. Where did all the presents go? I think they have run away. I got it. And I never had to prompt her. Never prompt her. She just did it on her own. And she climbs under the tree and looks around to see if there's any more presents. Which immediately, after I posted that on social media, people started saying, you need to buy that child some more presents. (laughs) Which we succumbed to it. And so we did a sequel to that, where she comes downstairs after a bath and sees more presents under the trees. More presents! And, uh, and immediately, you know, she starts opening them up. And so it's Christmas. So today is Three Kings Day. And some of you might have that tradition. Has anybody ever celebrated Three Kings Day before? So uh, Three Kings Day is the day that you celebrate uh, the revelation, the revealing, the unveiling of Christ to the nations. And it, it took place, if you read in Matthew 2, Matthew uh, 2, 1 through 12, if you see these scriptures you know that there are, uh, it's, it's, it, we don't know if it's three kings. It could have been a mob of kings. It could have been loads and loads of kings. It could have been two, uh, but there were wise men. One, one translation says magi. Uh, all of these terms are acceptable. Who came from the east? And the Bible says specifically uh, that they were following a, see, you are awake. See, following what? A star. And uh, so the star is over Bethlehem. And it seems to have remained there because if you look in the verses 9 through 12, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy because it came and stood over where the young child was. So for them, whether everyone else saw it or not, for them specifically, they saw a star. Do you understand me? Whether everyone else noticed the star, they saw a light. There was enlightenment in order to bring these individuals. Now, they may have been looking specifically for 
a sign, looking for a sign. Say that, I'm watching for a sign, watching for a sign. For us, we don't always watch for a sign, but they were looking for a sign. They had perhaps some information. Perhaps these individuals were students of a great prophet of Babylon who was originally from Jerusalem. Anybody know his name? Daniel, okay? Now, there were other guys at that same time that were speaking some other words, Confucius. Confucius was around at the same time Daniel was, all right? He didn't bring anybody to Jesus. Didn't re- Come on, you, you're not going to find redemption in a fortune cookie. But Daniel, who had supernaturally unveiled God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, uh, God Almighty, the Father, to Babylonian kings, uh, to five different kings, who was raised up as the leader of all of the wisest men, who was uh, an individual who actually ruled over a portion of the empire. Daniel knew God, and he prophesied about Jesus and that he would be born. He prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, and he wrote about it. Don't you think that the greatest prophet who lived in that time, who wrote down the visions, who had moments with Gabriel, Gabriel, the same angel that visited Mary and Joseph, the same angels that uh, saw the shepherds, also spent time with Daniel. Don't you think that there are some people who lived in Babylon who heard about the Messiah and believed? So these guys are being drawn into the kingdom. Anybody grateful for the drawing? That's what's going on in the world right now. Do you realize that there is a light that's shining right now that we need to be aware of? Because he is drawing people to himself. And, and uh, so, so I, as you consider this on this particular day, I'm just suggesting that these wise men were men of sight. The wise men, the magi, they were people of sight. They were people of vision. They were not those people who said, well, you know, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. These were Advent type of men because they were living with expectation. They knew it was true that Daniel was a mighty prophet and that Daniel's words came true. They they knew that he was the only one that could interpret the handwriting on the wall, the only one that could interpret the dreams and the visions of the king. He's the only one that could do it, and it was only because of the God that he served. That star led them to Christ, led them through wilderness, led them through the desert. By the time they showed up, Jesus was a young child living in a house. He did not grow up in a barn. He was born and laid in a manger, but they didn't stay in the manger. They actually got a house and hung out in Bethlehem for quite a while. In fact, Jesus was probably two years old about the time that the wise men showed up, running around, talking a mile a minute. Anybody know any two-year-olds? You know, just on and on, running around the house. That's where Jesus was. But when the wise men showed up, they fell on their face and they worshiped him and they gave him gold. They gave them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which speaks of his royalty and speaks of his death. Uh, and and it, it, it describes 
who the Lord Jesus is. It also speaks uh, of his godship, of his lordship, because incense is what you would burn in the presence of God. And, and the gold was about his kingship, and the myrrh was about what you would anoint someone with for death. So already prophetically, they worshiped him with vision about who he is. But here we are, 2020. Here we are. Let me ask you this question. How's your spiritual vision? How is your spiritual vision? How do you feel about where Christ is and what's going on in your life? How is your spiritual vision? I believe 2020 clearly is about the Lord speaking to us about spiritual vision. But perhaps Christians in our culture specifically, hear me on this. Any Christians in the house? Where are my Christians at? Where are my Christians and brothers and sisters at? Where are you? Okay. So, I'm a Christian. You know, if somebody asks you, you get to know them, you say, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian, you know. You know, I'm not like those other Christians. What other Christians are you talking about? You know, those other Christians, you know, always acting better than everybody else. And, you know, I, I get that. I, you know, I, I understand that. But, but sometimes our terminology and our excuses that we make for Christianity suggest that, you know, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I don't want you to think I'm crazy or anything. You know, I, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I actually, you know, wear normal clothes on occasion. I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm not going to judge everybody. I'm not here to send everyone to hell. I'm a Christian, but we can hang out. We can be bros. But, but, but what, what I'm suggesting is that we live in a culture where there are, there are a lot of people that say they are Christians but they have no spiritual vision. In the 90s, 85% of people in the United States of America said that they were Christians. That's what they said in the 90s. Anybody remember the 90s? In 2019, 65% of the people in the United States say that they are Christians. Now, saying one and saying I know God or I know Jesus. How many know that's two different things? Anybody know that? I'm a Christian. I celebrate Christmas. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that evidently there is a numbness in our culture. There is a coldness. There is this nothing that's kind of swarming the, the culture until now. We're Christians, but it's not so powerful that our children are excited to know the same Jesus that we know. I mean, we're Christians. We're just not hearing from heaven. We're Christians. We just don't know the word of God. We're Christians, but at the same time, we don't pray and we don't seek the face of God. I'm asking you again, how is your spiritual vision. I'm not trying to throw shame on you. I'm just saying it's 2020. If you're going to start working out, might as well start praying. Oh, preach, Pastor Rick. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Right? Say it. You will seek me and you will find me. God says, when you search for me with all your heart. What are you looking for with your heart right now? What does your heart want? Here's what I'm hearing, though. I, uh, I'm hearing a couple of things that I'll say uh, regarding this year. One, I want to say 2020 is the year of healing the eyes of your heart. 
2020 is the year of healing the eyes of your heart. Say it. 2020 is the year of healing the eyes of my heart. Healing the eyes of my heart. I need my heart eyes to be healed. I, um, I got home and uh, wanted to turn the Christmas lights on a few days ago and in the house. And I got that little switch on the floor that you push and all the lights just come on. It's so clever. Such an electronic genius. And uh, uh, I, th- there was the sound. It was... And not only did all the Christmas lights go off, but the television and everything on that side of the room and in the den all went off. I thought I'd fix that, so I walked over to the plug where I had lots of things plugged into. Anybody got one of those plugs where you got too much plugged into it and you know you do? Wave at me right now. I'm sending a fireman to your house, okay? So I pulled on the plug and they all came back. So then I started working on the plug. I'd push it in, and they'd all go off. I'd pull it out like about a quarter of an inch, and they'd all come back on. So here's my thinking. I'll just leave it like a quarter of an inch out. How many many have ever thought that way before? Don't look at me like, Pastor, you can't believe that. If I just leave it out just a little bit. So I I left it out just a little bit and walked away, and then they all went out again. Not only that, the lights in my garage went out at the same time. So uh, I did the next incredibly intelligent electronic thing to do. I got myself an extension cord. (laughs) And I ran my extension cord from the other side of the house to that particular plug. And I completely unplugged it. But now, even though I'd unplugged it, still none of my lights were coming on. Of course, when I plugged that into the extension cord... Everything would have been good, but uh, I'm not allowed to leave a 50-foot extension cord laying across my den, evidently. (laughs) I don't have marriage problems. So I got my screwdriver out, I found a breaker, and I turned it all off, and I climbed in there. How many know what I had to do? I had to replace the... The outlet, thank you for that technical word there, the outlet. That's, they're called outlets, okay? And I, when I replaced it, you know, I did it all right according to my training and uh, put it back in, plugged it in, everything works fine, it's perfect. But then I began to examine the old outlet and I noticed that the old outlet was cracked right around where the where the ground was supposed to go in, the whole end of it was broken off of it. And if you looked at it, you could see where, thank you for the grace of God, if it wasn't for His grace, somebody might have got electrocuted, somebody might have had a fire. But I noticed, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying right now, I noticed when the light went out and fixed what was broken... So that power could be restored. Did I say that carefully? Notice when the lights went out. And fixed what was broken. So lights could be restored. So let's begin with this. Sometimes we need healing in our hearts. 
we need healing. You say, why can't I see God do things in the future? Why when I, listen, some of you are reading the Bible and you're not getting it. And it's because you can't read it correctly. We don't have readers for your heart. We only have readers for your head. And when you have been hurt over and over in your life, sometimes there is so much brokenness and darkness. Everything that your heart looks at, it looks at through brokenness. Preach, Pastor Rick. Listen, let me give you some signs of brokenness in your heart. Loss of joy. Protecting yourself. Deep sadness. Here's one. Defensiveness. Being easily offended or frustrated. Agreeing with lies. Or a general lack of love for people. Now you might be sitting next to somebody and you've noticed that. It's a shame that you don't have good enough spiritual intimacy until you can hold one another accountable in your home. Because if Diana sees Rick as messed up, as hurt, as, as you know, just kind of closed off, she needs to be able to look at me and say, what's going? You seem to be so easily offended right now. And I look at her and say, what are you, what are you saying to me? In other words, I get offended when she asks me about whether or not I'm easily offended, which proves her point. Nobody wants me to preach this who's married in the house right now. Why, why does it seem like I can't, why we can't have any joy? Why can't we enjoy life? I mean, your family all gets together and everybody's there and things are just, you know, there's all you can see is the trash in the house, but you have your kids. Hello? Anybody in the room? Sadness. Deep sorrow. You're just sad. Why are you sad? I don't know why I'm sad. I just am sad. Why are you sad? Why can't you? What's going on in your life? You know, uh, uh, defensiveness. You're more easily hurt, defensive, reactive, defensive, reactive, because sometimes you don't have a reservoir in your heart to draw from. You're empty on the inside. That lack of love for people. Say that lack of love. Lack of love. Listen, if you've got that bumper sticker on your car that just says, I don't like people, would you go anoint that bumper sticker with oil? And Windex and start scrubbing that off. And then just realize that that's a heart condition rather than a life condition. How many know the Lord would like to heal people of that? You see, there, there's, there's more that we could list. But we need to check our heart. And we need to have brothers and sisters that will help us. We need to allow the Holy Spirit because I can't see. My lights have gone off in my den because something's wrong with the outlet. Something's wrong with my heart. Come on, let's get vulnerable. It's your turn. What symptoms do you see in your own heart? This is a season that God wants to heal our hearts. Listen to me. I don't want to take the same brokenness that I had in the last decade and fuss with it for the next decade. I need that mess cleaned up. I need healed. I need a hard surge. 
forgive right now and every day. I'm going to begin to confess God's word over my life and talk to God and be alone with him and be quiet and listen to him and say, God, reveal the mess that's in my life. Listen, I'm telling some of your stories right now, but that defensive thing right there is that he just likes to make me feel bad. You know, listen, I don't want to make you feel bad. I want to make you feel again. I want you to be able to love again. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been isolated. There have been lies. How many know there are devils that sit around and talk to you? Anybody know that? How many have ever had the enemy speak to you before? And you knew it was the enemy. The enemy who tells you that your life is a mess. You're never going to accomplish anything. He tell you, whispers that in your ear. We've got to rebuke the enemy We've got to hear the word of God. I'm telling you, you can't have true vision without heart surgery. You lost your vision for your home, for your children, for your church, for your ministry, for your vocation, for your life. But remember what Jesus said in John 10 and 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Somebody shout yes. Would you do that? So it's, this is the year. Somebody say, it's my year. It's my year for new vision for the brokenhearted. Look at Isaiah 43 and 19. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I want God to just pause for a moment there. Do you not perceive it? You got to answer that question. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? No, I don't. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what it is since you don't perceive it. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to speak this word into you. Now I want you to watch for it. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Okay, now this is the word of God. And here's what the word of God does. When when you receive the word of God, like on a Sunday like this, the word of God comes to heal you. Psalm 107, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Listen, some of the mess that's going on in my life is not things that happen to me. It's things that happen through me. You hear me? It's the brokenness on the inside of me. They're my destructions. I bring destructions into my own life. Has anybody brought destructions into your own life? And you know I'm telling the truth. So, so... I want you to hear this from Isaiah 43. Look at Isaiah 43, 16 again. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army of reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished enough to like what That's the story of Israel being set free from Egypt. The waters parted. They go through the, they, they, they come into the desert. The waters come back in Egypt. The enemy is destroyed. And then he says this. Forget the former things. Another translation says it this way. Forget all of that. Everybody say it. Forget all of that. Forget all of that. Forget it. What do you mean forget all of that? Forget the Red Sea. Forget the Egyptians being destroyed. Yeah, you're still living in the past. I want to do a new thing. You're not in Egypt anymore, but you are in bondage And I'm going to use your bondage to set you free. Look what he says. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Can you read this with me? Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the 
wasteland. Let me, let me say this to you before you get out the door. You got to hear this. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the... Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean what you think it means. That doesn't mean what you think it means. Because what you think it means is suddenly there's going to be a... There's going to be a road in the wasteland. Suddenly there's going to be a river there. That's not what he's saying. What, what, it's, what he's saying is, is I'm going to build something. I'm going to build something out of your brokenness. I'm going to take the brokenness of your life and I'm going to crush it all up. Anybody ever heard of crush and run before? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to crush it all up. I'm going to pave a new highway in the wasteland, in the desert. And I'm going, that asphalt road that your children are going to ride on and drive on, it's going to be the healing of your life. I'm going to take your story, what happened to you, the, the things that I have drawn you out of, all of that brokenness. I'm going to use that brokenness to build a highway in the desert. And you say, but no, my wounds are deep. He says, I know they're deep. I'm going to build, I'm going to dig a trench right through the desert. All of that woundedness, all of that brokenness, all of those places in your life where you were deeply wounded, I'm going to fill those places with living water and future generations are going to drink out of it and swim in it and live it. I'm going to restore your brokenness and I'm going to use it as a highway. Yeah, praise God for that. That's, that might be too tough for you. It might be too difficult for you. That's the reason sometimes I say, you know, Rick, you talk too much about your own brokenness, but you know, I'm tired of every pastor being perfect. I'm just tired of it. I'm just, just weary of it. I've done everything right in my life. <laughs> Unlike you poor, poor sinners. So, you know, one of my deep, dark stories of brokenness is physical abuse by a man when I was 12. It was interesting. Something else happened when I was 12. I had a, an appendicitis attack. They rushed me to the hospital and cut my appendix out. And uh, in those days, you stayed in the hospital for at least two days after your appendix were cut out, and they didn't pull it out through your belly button. They cut a nice little gash about this big in your side, and that's how they pulled it out, you know. I did not like this. I still remember that very well. I remember it. I remember feeling alone. I remember waking up at 12 years old in the, in the hospital and looking for my mom and dad. And as soon as they came, I remember weeping and saying, I just want to go home. It's deep. I know, you just see your appendix out. You don't get it. You don't get it. I didn't have too many visitors. Mom and dad came, but, you know, it was the day, you know, suck it up. So they left at night, and, you know, I stayed in the hospital. I was a big boy. Besides, I had brothers at home, too. They had other things and jobs they had to take care of. But I did have one visitor. I did have one visitor. That guy that sexually abused me showed up, crying at my bedside, bringing me gifts. And then when I look back, I realize probably the reason that my appendix were about to rupture was because I was having physiological manifestation of the stress 
that I could not deal with in any other way. Anybody here? In, do you see what I'm saying right now? So the brokenness that was in me was manifesting on the outside of me. And then who came to visit? Who came to visit? He came to visit. And I still was not at the place to even recognize because I was only 12 years old and nobody ever talked about that in those particular years. Can I get an amen? amen? And I never told my mama and I never told my daddy and I never told my brothers and I never told my teacher and I never told my friends. I never told anybody until I was a grown man pastoring a church. Somebody say amen. amen. And you say, well, why are you telling me now? Why are you telling me that story, Pastor Rick? Because I want my brokenness to be a road for you in the wilderness. Because there are people in this room who have stories of brokenness and wounds. And it may be like mine. It might be smaller. You say, well, you know, I've been cut. I've been hurt. Look, look, it can be a little wound. It can be a little cut. It can be abandonment. It could be just separation, anxiety. But there are people, it's massive in our culture. We're struggling with anxiety like we've never struggled before. And we don't know what to do with it. And all we can say is we're anxious. All we can say is we're sad. And I say, don't just say you're sad. Reach down into your belly and confess all of that mess. And as you crush it up and share it with your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your friends, you're going to find a healing because Jesus will show up in your life and bring healing to your heart. And I asked the Lord, why would you allow me to go through that? Why? Because... On January the 5th, 2020, there's going to be somebody sitting in the house that's wounded. And they need a road out of the wilderness. Just because somebody hurt you, touched you, abused you, wounded you. Listen to this pastor. Listen, doesn't mean it's over for you. You don't have to live the rest of your life in that brokenness. And listen, don't hold on to that mess, brokenness so much that you pass it on to the next generation. And the next generation is 2020. I'm not taking, come on, I'm not taking my anxiety from the last decade into this decade. I'm done with it. Get a yes? Amen. Anybody receiving what I'm saying? Amen. Because here's something else that that does to you. 2020 is the year, the year for restored vision. It is the year. It is the year for your brokenness to be restored. But 2020 is also my year of new strength. Say it. 2020 is my year of new strength. My year of new strength. He said that. Listen, he said, I pray that your, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Is there anybody who believes? Anybody who believes? Where are my believers at? Where are the believers? You have believers. Okay. So he has power that you don't have anything to compare it to. And then he gives this illustration. Here's what I compare the power to. The power of the father moving to the son and raising him from the dead and lifting him up and sitting him at the right hand of the father above all powers and principalities. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that same power 
He wants you to receive that kind of power. Anybody have a sense of what I'm talking about right now? This is Isaiah. We've been talking about Isaiah 43. So Isaiah 43. Go back with me. Isaiah 43. Here's what happens. Here's your shift. Okay? But now, thus says the Lord, who created you. This is before he says, do you not perceive it? You know, thus says the Lord, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Shout it. Fear not. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. I just stopped that. God says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. In other words, you are who you are. I called you. I named you. I have a name for you. And then he says this, you are mine. You hear the Father? Somebody needs to just receive that right now. Just right where you are. Right where you are. Just receive that. You might need to close your eyes and receive this. I belong to God. I am His. I'm going to say this. He knows how to take care of what belongs to Him. And then He says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire... You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Notice what he did not say. He did not say there wouldn't be water. He didn't say there will not be fire. He didn't say that. He did not say you wouldn't have some times of flooding. He said, you're going to be strong because you're going to know that I'm with you. And you will not be destroyed. Say it. I will not be destroyed. I will not be destroyed. Say it. I will not be destroyed. I'm going to walk through the fire. Praise God. Stand with me. I got to be finished. Ah. It's a year of new vision. It's my year. Somebody say it's my year. Of new vision. It's my year of healing my broken heart. It's my year for strength. Anybody want this? Anybody want it? Anybody want it? Anybody receive it? Somebody, anybody want this? Anybody want this anointing? Some of you related. I want to invite you specifically. Some of you related to what I was talking about heavily today. Do you agree that a broken heart causes you to see things differently? If you've been broken, if you've been wounded, then what happens is you start believing, well, that, that, that'll never happen for me. And so all of the relational brokenness that we have, all the identity disorders that we have in our culture, if you would search them out, you would find a broken heart. And so the enemy gives them glasses that makes things look better rather than healing their heart he tries to help them to focus in their brokenness. That makes sense? Take the enemy's glasses off for a moment. And just allow the Lord to heal you. Just allow him to begin that. And you say, well, this is going to happen right now. I don't know for me. Is anybody like me? It took some time. Anybody? Wave at me. Is anybody like me? It's like, I taught you this seven years ago. Healing is a journey. Right? But it's a good journey. 
It's better than being stuck and being stagnant. Amen? Amen. Anybody that can relate to what I'm saying regarding the brokenheartedness? And you need healing in your hearts. Would you come and just stand with me? You need healing in your hearts. Just come and stand with me. I need healing in my heart. Us. That's just the people that are coming up. I love you guys. You guys relate to someone I'm talking about? You know, I'm a miracle. I really am. Look at me. This is a miracle walking around. That's what I am. I'm just a miracle. If I tell all of my stories, you know I'll be here all day. But if I tell all of my stories, all of my brokenness, all, all of those wounds. But I'm just a miracle. Amazing. The things that God has walked me through. I'm going to tell you something. It's not the right time to touch some of these things. But, um, but some of you, close your eyes for a moment. Those of you that are here, just close your eyes for a moment because I want, to, I want you to relate to something. Just whatever. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal some things. Some of you have memories of great brokenness. And you say it's just a memory, but it's really... It's really a heart wound that's impacting your vision. So just right now, just let that be revealed. Okay? You know what it is? If you know what that is, would you wave at me and say, Pastor Rick, I know what it is. I'm not going to make you announce it to everybody. I just want you to wave at me. Just, there you go. Just wave at me. I know what that memory is. I mean, in, in our world, relational brokenness, you know, the... God love our millennials. God love you guys. So much brokenness that you've come with. And I, I want you to know that God knows your heart wound and he chooses to heal your heart wound. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. I, I had other things I wanted to bring up, but I'm just so full right now. Cliff, bring some of your team and come up around the front, if you would. Just Team, just come up. Just You can stand behind us for a minute, but in a moment I need you to... Come on. Okay, stay with me for a moment. Stay with me. Everybody that's here in the altar, just hang right with me. Everybody in the house, this is your year. Are you ready? This is your year for healing of your heart wounds. And as your heart wounds are healed, you will see the future as a possibility. Example, I can never be in a whole relationship because this is what I believe relationships look like. This is what's happened in my past. Does that make sense? I can't trust men. I can't trust women. Abandonment issues. Some of those things that are just huge. Cynthia, how am I doing? Am I, am I saying the right things? And I'm not... I'm not asking you just to weep at this moment. I'm, try, I'm not trying to get you to weep. But I want you to know this. Some of you have never wept over some things that you probably should have wept a million tears over. So I release your eyes to be washed by your tears. I release you at that moment. Listen, some of you are still grieving over someone that died and you never grieved well. And out of that heart wound, I deal with people all the time who are struggling because somebody died and they can't believe that God let them die. 
I know people that don't go to church today because they have unresolved grief within their life. A mother died, a father died. Relationship died. Or, like myself, there are those of you that have been assaulted or wounded. And the Lord is saying that that fire is not going to burn you for the rest of your life. Are you ready to turn your brokenness into a way in the desert? Are you ready? Open your hands up to the Lord. Just open your hands up to the Lord. I want you to start talking to the Lord about that all around this room, all around this room. Open your hands to the Lord. And if, if it's not for you, for others, I want you just to begin to tell the Lord, this is the area of brokenness that's in my life. Tell him like you would confess. As people say, I just confess sin. Confess what's up. If you're upset with God over it, tell it, God, I can't believe that I've had to walk through all of this in my life. I ask for your healing. I ask for understanding. And now I invite the Holy Spirit to come into that deep, empty place in your life. Every prayer worker, come on, every living waters worker, I need you. Every living waters team member, kinship, whatever, I need you to help me right now. I need you to help me pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I need you. Could we all pray together? Father, I give you all of my wounds. Say it. Father, I give you all of my wounds. I bring my heart to you. I ask that you would take this heart and bring healing. Give me a new heart. One that can feel again. Take away the hardness. Heal my brokenness. Use my past and use my story. In order to bring glory to your name. I receive. Say it. I receive your spirit. I choose your healing. I will be whole. In the name of Jesus. I see my way ahead. I see what I have never seen before. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Give me new vision. Give me new strength. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Just stay right there. I've got people all around you. Go ahead. Prayer workers begin to work your way through and around. Get to these people. Get to these people. Minister one another. Now everybody here. I want to declare this to you. In the name of Jesus. This is your new season. Anybody agree? This is my new year. Say it. This is my new year. This is my year. Of restored vision. I want you to expect God to give you vision. Like this. I want you to take a notebook. And start writing down the things that God wants to do in your life. Start writing it down. Start believing it. We're going to pray for these that are here in the altar for a while. We're going to take some time. And minister to them. I want you to know that I love you. I'm so glad you're at freedom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Receive the peace of the Lord. I love you. Have a blessed 2020. Have a blessed decade in Jesus. God bless you all. We're going to continue to pray. If you need prayer, please come forward. We have prayer workers waiting to pray with you.